because no one is ever going to be perfect. It's like finding, you know, your romantic partner, isn't it? No one's ever going to tick every single box. So it's figuring out actually what's really important to me and what can I let go of. Welcome to Scaling Simplified. A weekly conversation diving into our knowledge of teams, finance, strategies, and startups to help you scale to seven figures and keep your freedom. I'm Pip. And I'm Georgia. And between us, we have over 20 years of experience in big corporates and small startups to share with you. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, we are talking about something that you may or may not have heard of. I am certainly going to put my hands up and say I had no idea what one of these was when I first started my business. But my goodness, has it made a massive difference to my ability to grow my business. And this is a recruitment funnel. So have you ever just hired somebody that somebody's recommended, like a friend has been like, oh, you know what, Laura, she's really good at this. You should hire her. Or somebody at work that someone said, oh, you speak to Johnny because like Johnny's really good at X, Y, Z. And so you go, yeah, brilliant. Fine. You can come work for me. And then actually, you know, you get a little bit further down the line and you realize this maybe wasn't the best idea and it has become really awkward because you've hired the friend or the friends of the friend and you just sort of did it all in a bit of a, I need help, panic, great, perfect, you look great, come on in, let's work for me. And then you start to regret it. I'm sure I'm not the only person that has been there. But if this is the case, this is definitely the episode for you because a recruitment funnel is going to honestly change your life and change your business and help you if you're really ready to scale up to that seven figure mark. So Georgia, I know that this is your absolute zone of genius and I cannot wait to pick your brains on all of this on behalf of everybody listening. What point do we need to be at in business and what are the signs that actually a recruitment funnel is something that we need to actually start taking seriously and start thinking about building in our business? I love this topic and the situation you just described, I think so many people have been in. They hired a friend, their friend actually can't do what they need them to do and now everything's just got really awkward and they don't know how to handle it. So... They're never going to make that mistake again once they finally extricated that themselves from that. Now, I'm not joking. I've heard about people that have kept people on their payroll for two years because they felt so awkward about the whole situation and they didn't know how to bring it to a close. But this person that they've been paying for two years isn't actually able to do what they need them to do. Or worse, you hire someone because you're really short of time and then every day they come to you asking what you would like them to do, asking for direction. So not only have you got your own to-do list to worry about, but you're now stressing about, oh, I've got to remember what to give this person as well. So as you say, they feel like they're creating more work than they're solving. You might also feel like you've got to give them loads of training because you've brought this person in and actually they can't do any of the things that you wanted them to do. So now you've got to teach them, you know, they said, yeah, I'm I'm good with IT and actually they've never used Gmail. They perhaps have never done anything on a website. They're certainly not going to understand any of your other programs. So you've just opened a whole can of worms there. So you've got to give them the basic training. And for some reason, you don't want to lose face and say, this was a huge error, actually, because IT is like the main component of this role. Or perhaps you brought someone else in because you are not very detail orientated 
and you need someone to make sure that every single stage of your funnel is done, linked, perfectly set up. And then you've actually hired someone who is also not detail orientated and misses one or two of the essential steps. So it makes the whole thing pointless because you, the non-detail orientated person, has to go back in and double check every stage and make sure it's happened. So you start to wonder why you bothered. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you need them to be really big picture, to remember all the different parts that are going to have to fit in. And that's actually too much for them to deal with because it's just not the way their brain thinks. So by not putting really any consideration in before we hired this person, we might end up with someone on our payroll for two years that can't do any of the things that we needed help with, which is really a huge problem. And one thing I can relate this to if you haven't hired yet or a similar problem that we all end up with as we start building our business is when we're first starting out, we're quite grateful for all the clients that come our way. So it's really similar to when you sign that non-ideal client. You know, at first you're really thrilled that they've signed up, but you quickly realize actually this client is going to drain your energy. They might be way too needy. They might have arrived in victim mode and they want you to solve all their problems. Perhaps they're not at the level that you love to work with. So actually it's really quite dull because you're being underutilized. You know, you're not in your zone of genius. So actually the problems that you're working on them, yes, whilst they're paying you, are actually, it's really dragging your energy down and that's not great for your other clients. So we quickly learn in marketing that we need to attract the right clients. So we set up this marketing funnel to make sure that the right people are coming into our business and we're working with the right people. And hiring is exactly the same. A recruitment funnel is really, really similar. Okay, I love that. So I'm going to talk you through high level how I do my marketing funnel and then I'd love you Georgia to like tell me how it's different for a recruitment funnel so I think a lot of people listening will be quite familiar with the marketing funnel so we sit down we we work out exactly who our ideal client is we understand who we want to work with what the problem is that we're going to solve how we're going to help them and then we figure out how we're going to talk to them, what's going to attract them in, what's the copy that's going to attract them in or the imagery or, you know, what's the thing that's going to get their attention and go, oh, well, I'm a little bit interested. I want to find out more. And then we figure out where they're hanging out. So where we're going to find these ideal clients of ours, how we're going to then attract them in with our social media or with our ads or, you know, with our reach out, however we're, however we're finding them. And then we bring them into our world and we nurture them and, you know, what have you. And eventually we get them on a sales call and or, you know, we get them to a checkout point and it's a buy or a no buy. And hopefully, you know, at that point we've got our customer. So how would we switch this up in terms of recruiting instead of bringing in an ideal client? It's exactly the same idea. When you get to that sales call, you know straight away that this client is or isn't the perfect fit. You know, you get that energy. They're sitting in the right zone of genius. You know, your knowledge, you're going to have that the right connection. It all fits together. Exactly the same with our marketing funnel. We're not just going to take someone that our friend recommended. You know, we're going to actually think about 
who we want coming into our business. So the same way we spend time working out exactly who our ideal client is, we're spending time working out exactly who do we need to come into our business. Do we need someone with heaps of energy? Do we need someone detail orientated? Do we need someone that's going to take these run with running our website or building stuff together? We need to work out exactly who we need to add value to the business. Then we're going to start thinking about what what do we have that they're going to be interested in? How do we attract this person? You know, how do we bring them in and form that partnership? How can we kind of serve each other in this? We're probably narrowing down, like looking at the way they like to work, looking at how they like to work, who they like to work with, what sort of environment, what are their skills, what are not their skills, what would be an amazing day at work for them, what would make them want to poke their eyes out, you know? We're filtering all this stuff before we even get to the point of meeting them. And then when we meet them, we already know everything about them. And now it's about, have we got a connection? Can we see that going further? And you quite quickly know, is this the right person or isn't this the right person? Yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? When you're hiring, I I probably can tell within the first couple of minutes of speaking to somebody whether they're going to be a good fit for the company. And that's definitely taken time to get to that place but you do have generally just a gut instinct especially when your application process and your interview process up to that point has been quite good at filtering out the right or the wrong people okay so let's dive into a scenario that I'm sure a lot of people listening will resonate with and talk about you know what we can do with a recruitment funnel here and how we would add this in and you know and all of the details around this so I think this is a pretty common scenario based on a number of people I've spoken to. And that is we are, say, we have somebody called Jane and she has her own marketing agency. So she's specializing in digital marketing services, say. And so, you know, maybe you you relate with this. You're really good at what you do. You've got your business. You're quite specialized and very good at your one thing. And you started out as a solopreneur. You're doing everything yourself, kind of a bit like a freelancer, and it's just you. And then actually, because you're really good at what you're doing, your business has grown. And so Jane, our example, lady here with her business, she's gained a reputation. She's delivering exceptional results to her clients and her business has really grown. But the problem is, is that she just can't handle all this work. And she's gotten to a point where she's the bottleneck, more work, potential work is coming through the door, but she can't handle this. And I'm sure this is, you know, it's a position a number of us will resonate with very strongly what do we do in this situation to help? Okay, so the the easy thing would be your friend says, I know someone that could help you. My VA's got some extra hours. Do you, do you want to take her? Do you want her to come into the business? Now, the problem with doing that is instead of building out a recruitment funnel, instead of getting really clear about what she needs, like what she wants, she's taken a really haphazard approach. So she's maybe bringing in a team member from a friend there and or maybe there's a word of mouth referral here or there's a connection in her network and there's no structured process for 
finding those candidates, for vetting them in terms of their skills, their abilities, how they like to work, what motivates them, the kind of environment they want to be in, the responsibilities they're willing to take on, whether they are somebody that is willing to take on responsibilities. And there's no kind of vetting, using data to see if they're the right person. There's no kind of real onboarding process to make sure that people are fitting together. So the whole thing has gone a little bit awry, to say the very least. It's just funny because, and it's not funny because it is actually really serious that you get this sorted. But the number of conversations I've had with clients about literally what you have just described, it I think I think it's just a natural way. You just want help. So you go out and find help. But I know, you know, I've learned the consequences of doing this the hard way. But what have you seen with your clients about if you are haphazard in this approach and you don't have a structure in place, what does this potentially mean for your business and and what's going to happen, you know, or potentially some of the pitfalls that you're going to fall into? I mean, they're myriad, but I mean, imagine, let's just take a different scenario. Imagine that you run a health food kitchen, you know, and it specifically caters to vegan people want a vegan diet and suddenly world really takes off about your cafe and you've got a line of people around the block and your friend says oh my god you're saying I'm really stressed I need someone to come in and help me your friend says I know a great chef you should get in touch with them now what you fail to ask is have you ever worked with that chef before because often our friends who have been really nice and helping us out are recommending people that they've never even worked with themselves. So they really have no idea. They just know a name, but we love to be helpful, love to help each other out. So you bring this chef in and then you quickly find out that this chef is a specialist, I don't know, in French cuisine. So it's all about butter and sauces and cream and like all these lovely, rich, amazing foods, which are not a vegan diet. So You're almost asking him to completely retrain to fit into your business because you were really short staffed. Whereas you actually, if you'd spent five minutes thinking, I need a vegan chef and I'm going to put an ad in the local paper, you probably could have ended up with a better result. So the big thing that's happening is inefficiency. You know, you're wasting time onboarding a team member who probably doesn't, you know, in the chef's case, doesn't have the right skills for this role. Also, that team member maybe didn't have clarity coming in. If if the chef had known that this was a vegan kitchen, they perhaps wouldn't have been as interested in the role either. So then you're going to have even bigger issues going forward. So there's, we're not thinking, you know, round peg, square hole or the other way around. We've got to make sure it's a match on both ti- on both sides so that we can make sure that this is so efficient from the moment that they join our business yeah and of course if you bring in the wrong person for the role quality issues are potentially going to become something that happens really quickly if you bring in somebody that's not actually doesn't have the required skills or required experience for the role in question and you've just hired them because you know your friend said oh actually they're really good at this I'm sure they're really good at that, but that's not maybe what you need. It means that you risk then your service quality declines and you have real issues further down in the business. And that might be something that's very apparent immediately or actually something that can often be worse where you don't pick up this lack of skill or lack of knowledge fairly on. And it's something that then becomes a problem later down the line as as the issues sort of built up until it, it reaches that boiling point. So I think something that we forget about that is if you bring the wrong person in, then 
they're not going to succeed. And not only does that make them feel terrible, but also, you know, there's a real knock on effect potentially on your business. Yeah. And them not succeeding and feeling terrible in the role, like being in a role that doesn't match their skill set, that doesn't put them working in their own zone of genius means that your your turnover is going to be high because people aren't going to stay in a role that they're not enjoying. And then if they're not enjoying it, there's, you know, perhaps there isn't that structured onboarding when they come in, the role isn't defined, they start to become a bit disengaged with everything, you know, and they can then leave relatively quickly, which causes all sorts of disruption internally, but also with your clients as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you've got high turnover of staff, if somebody's not great at their job, likelihood is they're not going to actually be delivering very well for the clients. The client's probably not going to be very happy. They're probably not very happy in their role. So they're not going to communicate with the client in the way that you might expect or with the values that you as a company, you know, are known for. And that's who you usually would want to hire for. And the knock on effect of that is not only, as you say, internally, there's problems, but externally, there are problems. And often because clients, you know, if there's a problem, you're going to deal generally with your client first, because that's the revenue coming in the door, you spend your effort and time dealing with the dissatisfied client, but you still haven't dealt with the problem of the team member who's not the right fit. And so you're in this little cycle of trying to put out the fire with the client, but not dealing with the, 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 the cause of the fire, which is actually internal within your team. Yeah, so now poor Jane is suffering with extreme stress and burnout because, you know, she's still trying to juggle the business, now manage all of this stuff that's going on in the team and kind of make things better for her clients. So, I mean, obviously in Jane's situation, this has spiraled quickly out of control. (laughs) But these things, you know, even these little niggles really can have an effect on the energy that we feel in the business, in the team, the satisfaction of the clients. And it's really simply solved by not taking an ad hoc approach, you know, realizing that that isn't sustainable and realizing that actually team is one of the biggest investments we make in our business. So why are we so blasé about it? You know, even when I speak, I speak to other business owners that have invested in a coach, they might spend six to 12 months looking at that coach's content, following them, understanding if they are the right person for them to invest in, in their business. Yet they will take a recommendation from a friend who is probably costing them more than that coaches per month and potentially causing them all sorts of different problems further down the line. I think that's a really big thing. I think your team should be the the biggest thing you invest in. And I see a lot of people do this too, investing in the coach rather than the team member and really scrimping it with the team and trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel. How cheap can I get somebody to help? And then they wonder why they're having problems in their business. Where if you go, well, actually, I really made sure I got the right team member, then it really makes such a massive difference, doesn't it? Okay, so Clearly, the ad hoc approach has not helped Jane and her her business, which is she is really struggling with. But what can we do very practically to start building out this recruitment funnel and and really start to put those like pieces in place to help us identify and then bring on the right people who are going to really be culturally the right fit and then also job wise have the right skills and experience to help you take your business to the to the next stage of growth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jane was quite unlucky. And I think sometimes that ad, you can have people recommend someone that actually could be the right fit, but you don't know if you haven't defined that role first. 
interrupting our own episode to bring you the exciting news of brand new Scaling Simplified VIP days. If you are ready to simplify scaling to seven figures, this is the day for you. Together, we will deep dive into your team, finance and operations so that we can create your bespoke step-by-step scaling strategy. For more information, check out the link in the show notes. So before you take anybody's recommendation, before you even think about interviewing someone or saying yes for the business, start thinking about what do I actually need? Now, we alluded to this in a previous episode where we were talking about scaling your client delivery, but it's sort of the same questions for every part of your client process or for every part of the roles. Really clearly define what is this person going to be responsible for? What is the outcome within the business that they are pushing forward? So for example, if you are hiring a client success manager, that person's role is about making sure that you're retaining clients, you're getting good referrals, that it's they're almost people are signing up for another term or whatever with you, that they are bringing in other people with their positive words about the business. So their role is everything to do with making sure that those clients are having an amazing time. So are really being supported, are really getting the results that they want. So then we're getting quite clear about, okay, what what does this person need to be able to do then? to be able to do this. Like if they're going to look after the candidates well, the clients well, they need to be really good at keeping on top of where every client is within the process, you know, remembering to check in when they need some help. So they've got to have some really good systems in place to monitor that, but they've also got to have that big picture vision of where are they within the person? They're probably a real people person. They're probably great both in terms of messaging, but also taking on board like new information and feeding that back to clients, you know, they're going to become a real right hand to you. So they might have some quite similar attributes to you, but they also might have one or two that you don't so that you're a good complement for each other. So it's really getting clear on that. Or if this role is really to support you in terms of systems and processes, Like, what does that involve? Is it really strong IT? Is there one program that you use all the time? Like, is everything in Notion? Is everything in Monday? Is everything in ClickUp? Like, it would really help if they already know that. And there are enough people in the world that have experience on ClickUp and Notion that you don't need to hire someone that doesn't and then have to spend all that time training them if you don't have that time to train them. So, It's really thinking about what are the specifics of this role? What are the responsibilities? What qualifications do I need? What do they already need to be able to do coming into this? But what are the things that I can teach? You know, you can't teach values. You can't teach someone's approach. You can't teach someone's attitude. But if they've got basic, I don't know, Google Sheets, you could probably teach them how to use Airtable. You know, if they ticked all the other boxes, and actually you needed them to do something fairly simple in one of the systems, then actually that is more teachable than teaching the right attitude. No, totally agree. I think it's really understanding those non-negotiables and then the areas that you're like, actually, we can cope with this. If you write, if you take every other box, we can deal with this because no one is ever going to be perfect. It's like finding, you know, your romantic partner, isn't it? No one's ever going to tick every single box. So it's figuring out actually what's really important to me And what can I let go of? Because we can deal with. And then the next stage of this, and I love that you get really clear on what 
the role you are hiring for first, because then we need to go find potential candidates for this role, right? And I think and if we haven't done that, the, def- the definition of the role, it's basically impossible to find the right people. Because once we've got that idea of what this role is, we can then really start to source our candidates and think about where they're hanging out, where they would be, how are we going to get in front of them, just like we would get in front of an ideal client? How are we going to ensure that we can get them to see our job roles available? Or how do we reach out to them? And this might mean that we really need to start looking in places that maybe we don't hang out all the time, because we're not part of that world, especially if you're looking for somebody very technical in one part of your business. There's going to be the group of people who are really good at whatever this piece of software is that we might not be part of because we're looking at the business as a as, as a bigger picture. So it's really thinking about where am I going to find these people and where am I posting this job? You know, which places online, what online job boards are we looking at? Are there industry specific networks that we can be speaking to to try and find the right person? Do we have, are there any partnerships with local colleges where there might be a speciality in something that we could do in our business? It's really thinking about where does this person hang out and how can I attract them so I know that I'm then getting the right type of person apply for my role. And it's really funny because we were just chatting about this before we started recording for a job I'm hiring. And it's really getting into that mindset of the candidate of where are they in life? What are they looking for? Where are they going to be finding out about new opportunities? And how can you make sure as the employer that you get yourself in front of those people? Because it's just as much your job to get in front of those people as it is for the potential employee to come and find you. If if anything, I would say as a small business, until you've built up your brand awareness, that's your biggest thing is getting in front of the right people. Because once you're in front of the right people, it's just converting them then, isn't it? Just like a marketing funnel. But if you're not getting in front of the right people, you will never get the right hire. Yeah. And I really would encourage people to get creative about this. Like think about how they can reach out to these people. What kind of groups are they in? Who might they be friends with? Would any of our friends, when any of your friends know someone, a past colleague, you know, and really start like listing down where they might be. And then, so once you have got these ads out there and you're pulling people into the funnel, into that kind of process. Obviously, there will be some quite structured interviews. But even before we get to that, what I love to do is have a bit of an application questionnaire. I love people to do personality tests. I want to know like what their ideal day looks like. I want, I've got some quite detailed questionnaires that I do with people. And again, I'll put the link in the show notes to a mini course that takes you through like all the things that you want to ask in this process. But the more information you can get before you even get to the interview stage, then you know that the people that you're interviewing are in theory the right people for the job then it comes down to you know that personality like how how does that all niche together like how are they going to fit working alongside you you know are you going to complement each other can they teach you some new exciting things so we're then moving into kind of that that application questions and then structured interviews yeah and I think it's also really important from a legal perspective obviously we have a legal duty when you're employing people to give people fair treatment through the the recruitment process. And one of the things I loved about, I love about structuring everything is that you have a record of 
decision making throughout the entire process. So a lot of my applications will have specific yes or no questions that I know if they don't tick the yes or the no appropriately to what I need, it's a really clear yes or no, this candidate's going forward or they're not. And that's kind of protecting me legally. If somebody then comes back and say this recruitment process wasn't fair, you've you've got everything there for you as well. Absolutely. It's a really good way to narrow it down Uh, and fair on both sides as well, because you don't want to, as we've said, you don't want to put something, someone into a role that they're not going to thrive in because they don't have the skills or they don't have the knowledge that they need. If you haven't got time to train them in that, they've got to come in already knowing it. So, so true. Okay. So we've then, we found our person, we've taken them through our interview process And we're now getting them to start. And something that I think that we can really take from bigger organizations that often in small businesses, we kind of forget to do because we're so busy. We finally found this this superstar. We can't wait for them to start. And that's having an onboarding, an actual onboarding to really help bring people into the business. I think we forget as business owners just how much we live, breathe and understand our business and know everything to do with our business, the industry that we sit in. We know the big names and competitors in our industry and we just know everything without really needing to think about it. And obviously hiring the right person Hopefully they'll have some understanding of your business because that's why they're the right person and the industry that you're in. But they're not going to know everything in the way that you will. And that onboarding process and program really helps bring somebody into the business, helps you share expectations, how the business runs, how you do things, where to go for questions and help. Also make sure that you're training the person in the right way and you're identifying if there's anything you identified in the interview process that was a negotiable and you go, actually, they're not quite as good at this or they don't know this piece of software. That's the chance to then say, look, let's give you a a whistle stop tour and let's give you some training on this software before you jump in. And then once you've used it for a couple of weeks, we'll touch back again and, and then see how you're getting on and see where we need more support here. But it's really not just dumping somebody in the deep end being like, here's your to-do list, this is your job, off you go. It's really about bringing somebody on board and helping them understand what things are going to look like and setting them up for success and kind of giving them, painting them the picture, I always think, with a good onboarding process. You're really painting the picture of what you're trying to achieve and then giving people the tools and talking about how we're going to develop over the next few weeks and months and where to go for help and, you know, what those potential pitfalls will be. So you're kind of almost putting some bumper rails on and rail guards on just to kind of help people through the first few weeks because starting a new job is kind of terrifying often. You know, you're really excited about your new job and you don't want to mess up. And that onboarding process really helps somebody feel really comfortable immediately and will help you get the best out of them long-term. Okay, so the final thing we probably want to think about, we've got that onboarding process, we've got some great training, is performance tracking. And I know that this sometimes brings up fear or it makes us feel like having, I mean, having worked in a lot of sales roles, we know, I know all about KPIs. And sometimes that can make people feel like they're being judged. But actually what we're doing is we're just looking at ways to refine and improve the process. So say, for example, you are bringing someone on to help you with your sales calls. And currently for every 10 sales calls they're doing, three of those people are signing up. Now that might be nowhere near the conversion rate that you've got. So how can you help that person to convert more sales calls? Is it that they need more knowledge? Is it that they're not understanding 
exactly how what you're delivering is going to help the client? Is it just that they feel a bit underconfident and they need some more practice? Do they need to listen to someone else's? So by tracking performance and those KPIs, we can also tie that in with our training and our development. We're looking not at it in a way to to judge people. We're looking at it in a way to improve people and constantly keep those results going on and on. So thinking about our funnel, the, the big benefits are going to be obviously hiring candidates who are better suited for their roles, which means we're going to get so much more improvement. We're going to reduce that turnover because employees feel more engaged, more supported. Plus, we're hiring the right employees. So, you know, we're not bringing in that turnover in terms of having to get rid of people. We're delivering consistent results to our clients. We're improving the overall satisfaction because we're really thinking about the process that we're using by bringing in this recruitment funnel you know it's all becoming so much more effective better quality less turnover more focused staff the whole thing is going to feel so much more fun so when you are thinking about your next hire going forward I want you to think about who do I need in this role like what do they need to bring to really make this role their own, to really run with this role? What are the questions that I need to ask to make sure that that is that person? What do I need to know in the interview? How am I gonna onboard them? Like, what are the things they need to know to get going? How am I gonna keep that feedback loop going? So building a recruitment funnel is not just about filling those jobs job openings that you've got. It's about being really strategic about how we build our team. We're strategic in every other area of our business. So we need to do the same in our, when we're hiring our team. We're making really informed decisions because we're asking the right questions. We know that we're attracting the right team. D further down the line, this is going to save you so much time and energy. And one of the things that I often say to people is you wouldn't get married and spend the first 30 days making sure you'd picked the right person. You'd be damn sure that you'd got them before you walked up that aisle. So think about it the same when you hire your team member. I love that analogy. And Georgia, I know you have an amazing mini course on which takes you through the step-by-step -step process of building out your recruitment funnel. So we'll make sure that we leave that in the show notes because this was honestly a game changer in my business. And I can't wait for you guys to make this a game changer in your business too. Thank you for listening to Scaling Simplified with me, Pip Harland. And me, Georgia Fitzgerald. If you've loved this episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We love it when you get in touch. So head to the show notes and drop us a DM or send us an email. We want to hear all about your business. 